Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast, episode 917 of the Real Deal Podcast. Hope everybody out there is having a great week up to this point. Uh, we have a lot to cover on this as we look back at week four of the NFL, get into you know, a little uh, boxing as well, and, and some NBA. Uh, NBA definitely had a, it was a big week. Last a, a major week of NBA as far as trades goes and just the landscape of the Eastern Conference. Um, but as always, we start out with our themes, and our theme for this this week in NFL was to me they're still not ready for the big boys, and you had two teams that kind of got exposed for uh who got exposed for being good teams. Possibly very good teams, but not yet quite great teams or championship caliber teams. And I'm mainly talking about the Miami Dolphins, the, the Cleveland Browns. I don't know what, you know, a lot of talk was about their defense. I'm not going to chew their lunch up too much, uh, considering they had no Deshaun Watson. We'll get to them. But I'm mainly focused on what on this mainly goes towards the uh, Miami Dolphins. And that's where we're going to begin as begin in terms of our all the thoughts segment. Uh, Buffalo is rolling. Um, the Bills have the number one point differential in football right now. They are, after that, just <laughs> just inexcusable opening uh, week loss, Monday night loss to the Jets with, uh, of course, with, with, uh, with Brett Favre. Brett Favre. Aaron Rodgers goes down um, like four plays into the game. They lost that game. But that, again, week one, you could kind of toss out the books. Uh, Buffalo ever since then has been destroying people. They uh, just totally annihilate the Miami Dolphins. Now, this game, you know, I thought this game at 14-14 was headed towards one of those just 41-38, 45-41 type shootouts. These The first four possessions of this game, neither defense had a chance. Like, neither did. Like, the offenses were just going up and down the field at will. But... Buffalo's physicality ended up taking over. And the bottom line is, listen, you can have the fastest players on earth. You can have some of the fastest players in the NFL, in NFL history. If you don't win the game, the game is still won at the point of attack. Go ask Kansas City a couple years ago against Tampa Bay, and that's who rolled about three years ago. The game is still won. You have to – you still have to block. You still have to protect your quarterback. You still have to – um uh a decent job of running the football, and Miami got their asses kicked at the point of attack. And Miami, right? You know, Miami's a very good team. I think they, they without question, I think Miami will be in the playoffs if if Tua can stay healthy. But as far as you know, you look at some of these top teams. When I look at Kansas City, when you look at San Francisco, look at Philadelphia, look at their offensive defensive lines. That's why I don't even think Dallas is there. I I, I don't think Dallas is. Uh, I think you can run on Dallas. I, I think you can get physical with Dallas. Um. Those three teams, like Kansas City, San Francisco, Philadelphia, and now, and now Buffalo, those those are like the, those are the most physical teams in the NFL, and it's not coincidence that those are probably the, the favorites to go to and win the Super Bowl. Um, Miami is just quite not there yet. They can't. They are uh, they are built on speed. They have weapons again. Their weapons are tremendous, but you know, on a day where give Buffalo credit, Buffalo holds Tyreek Hill. And Jalen Waddle to seven catches for 104 yards and zero touchdowns between them. Okay. Tyreek Hill had one rush for 14 yards. 
Uh, again, 14-14, Buffalo goes on to outscore them 34-6 after that. And Buffalo, this is, this is the thing about Buffalo, and this is why, you know, they're a legit Super Bowl contender. They rank second in points. They rank uh, second in points for and against right now, and they rank sixth in total offense, total defense. They are a complete football team. Now, that Tredavious White injury is is a, is is going to hurt. It's gonna hurt that that guy is a all pro caliber cornerback. They, they don't they don't make those guys. Those guys are not don't fall off trees. That is gonna that's gonna hurt. So don't, don't please don't don't discount that. Uh, now they'll get Vaughn Miller back, so that that can kind of negate that somewhat. If you get a top pass rusher back and your secondary isn't good, isn't as good, which it won't be. So, but if you get if you get even seventy percent of Vaughn Miller, again that can negate that. But that injury somewhat. That is a big injury, uh, to say the least. But thoroughly impressed with Buffalo. They went out there and didn't play with their food at all. Division rival, well, you can't even call it a rivalry. They've owned Miami, especially, you know, since Josh Allen and McDermott got to Buffalo. They just had they just had um have had Miami's number. And listen, if you're Miami, look, this is they you know, Buffalo, Kansas City, those two teams are the teams that just chasing in the AFC. There's no two ways about it. You I think over the course of this uh, season, especially when we come upon the trade deadline, you might, if you're Miami, you got to trade for some physicality. You got, you have to trade with some physicality on, like, not so much with pass protection, but I'm just talking about in terms of overall, especially with, with your defense. You can't, listen, there will be games where, as good as two it is, there will be games where you might have to win 24-21. You're not going to, you're not going to outscore everybody. It's just not going to happen. I mean, even Kansas City has morphed into a team that can play great defense and doesn't have to output 35 on the board every week to beat you. You, you got to be able to win. You want to be a championship team, you have to be able to win in multiple ways in the NFL. That's all there is to it. And right now, Kansas City, excuse me, Miami can only win one way, and that's what their offense is. Great offense, but on, on this day, Buffalo had all the answers and give the, give the Bills a lot of credit. Uh, they still they had, you know they, this was their first major test of the season and they answered it with flying colors. And again, listen, if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, um, you are still like you, you're happy, but you're not excited. Um, you know what you're playing for. You know what the what what the stakes are. You know how big of a year this is. You know that you're not playing for September and, and even October wins. It's all it's all about. It's it's all about January because Buffalo's going. I mean, Buffalo's probably going to win that division. They're going to the playoffs. It's all about January. But this was a major step. You're looking on. You're looking to build on habits. This was a. This was a. They. This was their first major hurdle, and they again they passed it with flying colors. So, a tremendous job out of the Buffalo Bills. Miami still has some work to do. Marquee games. Um. So yeah, a couple that we'll talk about. Um, Tennessee and the Jets. Again, this is this is a tough game to watch. Frankly, it's a tough game to watch. Again, you have no Aaron Rodgers, and you know that the Jets are not going to win this game. But and they jump out seven. They, Kansas City jumps out seventeen nothing. And Kansas City, this was the ultimate Kansas City plan down to the to the competition. Kansas City was up seventeen nothing, kind of crew on cruise control. Uh, Jets tried to make a game a bit late, twenty three twenty. Kansas City able to get by, but they, you know this. This is one of these games where Kansas City, I mean, Zach Wilson outplayed Patrick Pat, Patrick Mahomes, which like you would never thought in a gazillion years that you would see that happen. But it actually happened. Patrick, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes had his worst game of the season, did not play well whatsoever. But Kansas City, you know, they're Kansas City. They know they find ways to win. 
uh multi multitude they have multiple ways multitude ways uh in terms of being able to win a game know how to win the game they're a championship team we know this and the jets are the jets i mean the jets you know they get for you you know for you you know get to be out your refrigerator just down 17 nothing at that point they're not we know that they are not a big big time offensive team that's 17 they can't afford to get down 10 nothing and that was just too much for them to overcome but again not a very well played game um Again, when one team is clearly better than the other and they play down in a competition, you know, it was competitive, but just not it's sloppy. Uh, Mahomes wasn't good. Uh, so, you know, this game, again, the Aaron Rodgers injuries is going gonna, is gonna to hurt a lot of primetime games because the Jets are, you know, they're going to probably get flex out of some, probably, I'm sure, I'm sure some December games, but. Up until that point, you just gotta live with these some of these some of these New York Jets games without uh, one without uh, of course the great Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Baltimore over Cleveland twenty eight three. Um, all I heard about over the course of the week was how great this Cleveland defense was. I mean, people were starting to get crazy talking about it could be historically great. And I said, hold on, but let's 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 pull, let's hold the brakes. They have not played great competition as far as great offenses of, uh, as of yet. This game. Again, now there was no Deshaun Watson. So from that standpoint, I got I'm not gonna give him a complete pass, but you know, they Baltimore was able to run the ball for 131 yards. Um a great defense does not give up give up 131 yards rushing, especially when you know what's coming. Like you know what Baltimore is gonna do. Baltimore does not disguise that like there's no there's no secret to what Baltimore is going to do. So I don't hear anything more about how great this Cleveland defense is. It's a very good defense. They'll probably they'll probably finish in the top ten, maybe even higher. But I, it was the, the talk about the Cleveland defense was starting to get nauseating. I mean, this is not this is not an all time great defense. It's only been a small sample size. Three games is not enough for me to start you know going crazy over a defense. San Francisco that's a great defense. Like that that is a top top defense right now. Uh, legit defense. You can't run on them, but you can run on the Cleveland Browns. Um, another just again, and it, it, I'm starting to notice a trend here. Like the last two, the last two weeks, Lamar Jackson has been spectacular. Last two weeks against Cincinnati and now against against uh, against the uh, Browns, fifteen and nineteen, 186 yards, two touchdowns. He didn't even have to run, like he didn't have to. He was spectacular again for the second straight week, and it was very very quiet. Not a lot of talk. About Lamar Jackson's performance. Now, a lot of just that I, I don't I, I don't remember. Again, it's only Tuesday, but even even some I did not hear a lot of talk about Lamar Jackson on Sunday. I did, to be honest with you. Uh, he again a second straight spectacular performance from Lamar Jackson. Um, so again, I don't want to hear about Cleveland's defense, you know, for at least another month. I know again, Miles Garrett is a monster. We know this guy's one of the top five, six or seven handful of the great defense players in the league. He's a great, great player, but they they're very good defense, not great defense. They're just not. You can again, you can there are holes. You can run on that defense. And I can't call a defense great if you can run on it, run on it. That's a hallmark of great. You couldn't run on the eighty five Bears. You couldn't run on the two thousand Ravens. Okay. You couldn't you cannot run on those defenses. You couldn't. Those that those are great. Those, that's a hallmark of a great defense. You could not run on the ninety-two 
the 92 uh, Eagles or the 92 Cowboys, for that matter. Those are great defenses. So, and you can go all down the line with the Steelers, Steel Curtain, and, and, and what have you. Could, uh, a hallmark of a great defense, you cannot run on that defense. All right, we're going to break it up a little bit, uh, a little change of pace. We'll get back to the football. Um, So, the NBA is... The last week has turned into a Eastern Conference orange race between the Celtics and Bucks. Um, these are two teams that have met in the playoffs. They are clearly rivalry. Uh, it's clearly one of the best rivalries in the league. Uh, they had that epic, epic seven-game series in 2022 when Giannis was just off the charts, but it wasn't enough. Uh, Damian Lillard goes to Miami. Excuse me. I'm sorry, Miami. I, did, I really didn't mean to say that. I think that was a slip, or maybe it wasn't. Damian Lillard ends up with Milwaukee, and that, that leads to Drew Holiday going from Milwaukee to Portland to Boston. Um, listen, you look at the top six players on each team, these are the, probably the two best top sixes maybe probably in the NBA right now. I would say Boston first, Milwaukee second. Denver is, a, Denver is right there as well. Um, this, is going, this is what you love about basketball. So what you love about the NBA, you get Damian Lillard, who is a generational shooter and one and a great, great scorer uh, on a team. And immediately when they when this trade was made, I'm like, well, Milwaukee is the team to beat. Five knows over Denver, They're, it's close. They're a team to beat. Boston gets Drew Holiday. Uh, scratch that. Boston is now the team to beat. Boston's top six. I mean, what like you got Tatum, Brown, Holiday, Derek White, Porzingis, and, and Al Horford. Now they're not as deep as they once was, but you don't have to be that deep. You're only playing seven to eight players. You're only playing seven really in the playoffs with when it's Monday, but it's you know nut nut uh, nut crunching time. Like you only it got you got coaches only don't trust that many players in the playoffs, especially deeper into the playoffs, conference finals, finals, and. And, and what have you. Um, Boston's defense is going to be legitimately just terrifying. Like, like terrifying. You have a backcourt of Derek White and Drew Holiday. That, like, those guys, I mean, those guys are like, are, are like ball hogs, are like ball hawks. Like, you, you have, their teams will have trouble crossing half court against that, some of that defensive pressure they have. It, so, their defense is going dead. Like last year, the defense took a step back. This year, they will be again a top defensive team without question. Milwaukee again, obviously, Milwaukee is going to skyrocket. The Giannis, Damian Lillard, pick and roll will be lethal. Gian, Giannis will have driving lanes that he hasn't seen probably in eons with the shooting and with the attention that you have to give to Dame Lillard. Now the defense is going to take a, a, a small step back, but what Dame Lillard. Will make they will more than make up for that offensively, but he will he is again this guy is a great great offensive player. He's coming off one of his best years of his career, so there's still some gas in the tank, without question. The thing the thing that I like about what's happening is the amount of pressure that is on both teams. It is they these these two teams probably have the most pressure of any teams in the league right now. Like seriously, like they. They're, you're talking about in and Milwaukee has a championship, but they but they are trying to keep Giannis. Okay, Boston hasn't won a championship since 2008, and next year you're gonna have to pay 
Um, Jason Tatum, a super max deal. He'll be all NBA this year. And you're going to have to pay him a super max deal. So they, you know, they have about a one, maybe two year window before they have to make some extremely tough decisions about who, who to keep, who not to keep outside of Brown and Tatum. Um, it's like they're going to, I mean, like these two teams are have to forget about. That's, there's no such thing as a three to five year plan in the NBA. The NBA has turned into the NFL. It is a win now. is is almost as win now as is as the NFL is. To be honest with you, it's about this year with these two teams. I mean, the heat is on both of these two teams. Like you, they have to win. They're like anything less than a championship will be a failure. I'm serious. I'm saying it. I mean, I'm not, and I'm not saying, I'm not overstating it. Anything less than a championship from either one of these teams is a failure. It just is when you make these type of moves. If I'm, if you're in Milwaukee, you're expecting to win the championship this year. Not about the finals. You've been there, done that. You went to the finals, you won championship in 2021. If you're in Boston, you're expecting to win a championship this year. Not about the finals. You've been there, done that. Twenty twenty two, lost in six games to the Golden State. Was up two games to one, with home, with uh, you know, had taken home court away. So getting to the finals is not enough. It's just not. And these are clearly, clearly the two best teams in the Eastern Conference. Clearly, with all due respect to Miami, forget about it. Philly. I is is a that that is a shit show right now. I have no faith in Philadelphia. And there's no surprise team that's coming out the east that I see on the horizon. Knicks will be very good, not not ready for that level, um, of course. But these are the two teams, and again, there's no way outside of any major injuries that they that 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 they are not that they are not going to beat. They are on they are absolutely on a collision course. It would be a conference finals or the finals. I would say conference. I I would say that these two teams have the best two records in the conference, if, if not even in the league, and that they will meet in the conference finals without question. Um, now, again, Boston loses some depth. Miami, no, nah, excuse me, Milwaukee loses some defense. To get Drew Holiday, to get Dame Lillard, you absolutely, you pay that price. I don't care about draft future draft picks. I don't care about the assets that they had to give up. This was a those, these are two trades that absolutely had to be made. I love Drew Holiday as a player. I think Drew Holiday is a tremendous leader. He is a top defensive player. He's a excellent, legitimately top twenty, top twenty five, two way player player in the league. He really is. Drew Holiday is one of the top twenty five players in this in this league. But he's not Dame Lillard from offense. Like from an offensive standpoint, you got Dame Lillard can take over a game, can take over a playoff series, like that, like that, like that's all there is to it. Like and the, the league is an offensive league. You know, you still have to play. You still have to be, be able to get a stop. But I think Denver kind of opened up the floodgates here with how great they were offensively, and you know they were they were great defensively in the finals. But for the most part, Denver dominated the postseason with their offense. And I think you know Milwaukee sees that and is like, you know, yeah, we had this top defense last year, but in the playoffs we couldn't get any buckets. Now again, they had the Giannis injury definitely played a role, but even when he was even when he got back, they had trouble executing down the stretch of these games, especially in the fourth quarter, and they lost a couple of those close games to Miami uh in those in, in, in the in the fourth quarter. For, in, they blew, in the fourth quarter, especially the last couple of games in that series. 
Dame Lillard is, you know, a fourth quarter guy. That's all you want the ball in his hands with the game on the line. That's it. And the, the thing, the thing about this is going to make this fascinating. Who's who's probably going to be if they meet in the playoff series? Who's going to be guarding game Dame Lillard, Drew Holiday, who made one of the great defensive plays in recent finals history three years ago. It'll be three years once the season starts against uh, Phoenix. Took the ball away from Devin Booker, led to Giannis Aliyev. They go up three games to two, close it out in Game Six in Milwaukee. This is this is I'm telling you, this is going to be it, it, it's going to be fun to watch all season long. These two teams, you know, build chemistry, how it, like develop over the course of time, over the course of the season, and how and because we know they they are building towards May towards meeting probably sometimes in middle and late May. It's everything's building towards that series. This entire season is going to be a prelude to Milwaukee, Austin. And I'm here for it. I'm here for it. These are two top organizations. These are two, minus the Udoka situation, mainly, for the most part, drama-free. You know, for the most part. The Udoka situation obviously was ugly, and obviously Boston as an organization did a horrible job in, with that situation, to say the least. Uh, but these are mostly, have been well-constructed, well-run franchises that, over in franchises that have done nothing but win over the last couple of years, win a lot of regular season games, but Milwaukee has a championship. Boston's been knocking on the door. So, and again, I, like I said earlier, the pressure on these two teams is enormous. It is pressure beyond pressure. These two teams have to win now. Not next year, not the year after, right now. Back to the NFL, game of the week, um, a surprising game of the week, game of the week, because I didn't expect this to, to, to stand out. But the Philadelphia Washington was a very good game, a very high-level game, to be honest with you. Both quarterbacks played great. Uh, the difference was, you know, Philly, you know, they, you get a bad punt in the overtime. Philly gets the short field, and that was all she wrote. Uh, Washington acquitted itself well in this game on the road against a superior team. I thought they went toe-to-toe with Philly. It wasn't; it didn't seem like it was flukish whatsoever. Uh, people, you know, Philly is 4-0 for the second straight week, second straight year. And I'm hearing, you know, can, well, they're 4-0, but there's, when you're 4-0, there's no but. Like, they find they found a way to win. It, to be 4-0 and not playing your best football tells you about your team. Because you could easily, there's, like, look at Cincinnati right now. They're playing terrible football. They're 1-3. So it tells me, I, I look more towards the positive of what Philly is doing right now than comparing them to what they were last year which for the most part was a dominant regular season team. We knew that they weren't going to be as dominant as they were last year as far as just destroying people. Like, that just doesn't happen in the NFL, even if you make back-to-back years of the playoffs. Like, you're going, you're not going to dominate back-to-back years like Philly did with the point differential. That, you know, things kind of even out, and that's just the way it is in the NFL. But, like I said, 4-0 is 4-0. Um Again, Washington acquitted itself well. How bounced back um, and played relative and played well. Um, they now because they were embarrassed against Buffalo. He was embarrassed. He had an awful. He was awful against Buffalo. So you know, he kind of showed you something for a young quarterback to bounce back from his worst performance of his young career. Uh, they had you know they had opportunities. They jumped out seventeen seven. Um, big play in the game was um, it was seventeen ten. And Jalen Hurts gets his arm hit 
and Washington returns it for would have returned it for a touchdown, but they call it they called it a forward pass. It couldn't that could have been easily an open a open hand, open arm, open hand. That that was a huge play. Philadelphia kicks a field goal and they, they were only down like I think 17, 13 going to halftime. That was a big turn, big play. That's a fumble. You're talking about possibly 24-10 versus 17-13. So that was a huge play in the game. Philadelphia kind of got his settled down, uh, ended up scoring at halftime, before halftime, then scored again to take the lead 21 uh, uh, with the, with the uh, 21-14, excuse me, 21-17 with the uh, two-point conversion. But give Washington credit. Uh, down 31-24, they went, went down the field despite the fact that they had no timeouts in the fourth quarter, which seems to be happening on the regular with with the Ron Rivera coach team that they have, they seemingly never have any fourth quarter timeouts. It's just, it's amazing to me how they use or misuse their timeouts and have, and, and was struggling to get plays in down the stretch. They were fortunate. There was a play, luckily the ball was, was poorly thrown to where if it's caught in the middle, the cl- the clock runs out that they don't get a playoff. Them they were able to get one two plays off basically in like five seconds, uh, because luckily because one of the, the passes was incomplete. I don't know what Howe was thinking on that play that your receiver going to break two tackles and run into the end zone. So it was a bad it was a bad read by Howe, young quarterback, and luckily the receiver didn't catch it. But give him credit for going down the field, scoring, tying the game. Uh, they actually got the ball first, couldn't do nothing with it in overtime, and you know like I said, it was all she wrote. With the bad, uh, with the bad punt, stock up, stock down, stock up. Detroit Lions are playing good football. They they handled Green Bay rather easily, thirty four twenty. That game was never competitive. Twenty seven three. I know Green Bay made a little run, but you never thought that they were going to win that game in Lambeau Field. Second straight, second straight game that they second straight time that they've won in Lambeau. Um, uh, that division that is wide open for them for the taking. Like, Minnesota's in the tank. Green Bay's okay, but not great, but not, you know, not typical Green Bay, of course. And, you know, this that the Bears are Bears. Like, so that, the, I mean, the Lions are clearly the best team in that division. I don't think there's any debate or doubt about it. And that division is, is right there for them to take this year. And sometimes you get there, you get years like that where a division, if you can stay, if they get keep the quarterback healthy, will falls into your lap. And it seems like, seems like it's going to be one of those years for the Detroit Lions. A team going in the opposite direction that was the Super Bowl representative two years ago in the, in the AFC Championship last year, the Cincinnati Bengals, they off to a one and three start. You have Jamal Chase, you know, not happy. You know, he's always fucking open, <laughs> according to him. Um, Joe Burrow is not looking like Joe Burrow. He, he's dicked up. Um, and, you know, this, again, when they were 0 2, I told you, this had a different feel to it. Normal. It had like I I didn't I wasn't gonna compare them being 0 2 versus they versus them being 0 2 last year. This had a different feel. Just there's not just the energy around that team, the the stuff you read, the press conferences, the things that night, the things of that nature. It's not good. It's not very good right now. I and I'm I'm not even in Cincinnati, of course. But you know, every so often a young team had you know who's had some early success, they. You know, have a year where they take a step back. Like it happens in the NFL, and it, it again, the room for error in the NFL is is very small. It's not it, even if you have a Joe Burrow, um, and this is a big year for them. 
because that Joe Burrow contract will start kicking in next year. They're going to make some decisions. So this was, this, I mean, again, one and three, your season's not over. We know there are a million teams that make the playoffs now with the with, with the extra playoff spot, but they are not, They uh, this is going to be, they're in a hole right now. They're not in the ditch, they're in a hole. And I, I just don't like the, the energy that's coming from that team. Um, and again, Joe Ball just he's not healthy right now. He's not. He doesn't. He does not look like the Joe Burrow we've seen the last couple of years, who was legitimately one of the top quarterbacks in the league. He, he don't looks. He looks like a shell of himself from that standpoint. Um, so yeah, stock up Detroit, stock down uh, the Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals. We want to root Josh Allen. Um, he outplays Tua. Tua was getting some MVP talk for the game. You know all the yardage and just these ridiculous numbers that he was putting up. They were averaging. I mean, into that game, Miami is averaging. It was averaging like forty three point three points per game. Now Buffalo's defense did the job, but Josh Allen was also spectacular and had a perfect rating of one hundred and fifty eight point three. Ran for a touchdown, made the proper reads. Um, excuse me. We, you know the last two games he's played extremely well. Uh, but this game, he, he was vintage Josh Allen. Like, this game reminds you, reminded you of what he did to New England in the playoffs a couple of years ago, what he what he did against Kansas City in that classic game a couple of years ago when they lost in the uh, conference, uh, the divisional round. Even though they lost, it was, a, it was one of the great classic, great performances for a losing player that you'll ever see. This is what, I mean, Josh Allen is capable of this. Like, we know this guy is uber talented. The talent is never questioned. Some of his decision-making can be, some of their play calling, their offensive philosophy can, philosophy can be. But this guy's legit. I mean, that's, you know, he's a legit top five quarterback. Like, that's, let's not kid ourselves. Like, they, I, listen, I would take, I would take Josh Allen on my team as a commander fan. There are about 95%, 97% of the league that would take, about 98% of the league that would take Josh Allen on their team, on, on their team. So, um, He's playing great right now. Uh, again, he will be measured like the rest of the Buffalo Bills for what he does in January. But um, right now, uh, right now, coming off that game, in this game, he was completely at the top of his game. And here, by the way, only seven. He had the seventeen-yard touchdown run. Uh, seventeen, only seventeen yards rushing. Had a rushing touchdown. The less he runs, I think, the better they are, because that means he's making the proper reads, throwing. Throwing the ball, and that also means that there are other you have other guys on their team that who are effectively running the football. I don't want Josh Allen running for 70, 60, 70 yards. I I want to keep that number between probably twenty and fifty yards. When that number goes above fifty for Josh Allen rushing, there's some trouble there. There's like there's uh, that's not good for Buffalo. One last real thought before I let you go. Um, got a chance of course to see Canelo fight. Uh, by Jamar Charlo, um, and as expected, I like I. There's no way I thought Charlo was going to win this fight. Um, you're going up 14 pounds against a guy who, frankly, at this point in his career, is a, is an all-time great. Canelo, this was this was vintage Canelo. Um, I know Canelo's last couple of fights, two or three fights, he hadn't fought that really had been kind of off. Uh, one of them was a loss, of course. But he was on top of his game in this fight. He was a surgeon. He took apart Charlo uh, from start to finish. It was it was a tactical destruction, um, and you never you never thought Charlo was going to win this fight. Had any had any, forget I was going to win this fight. You guy had any chance to win this fight, and you thought you honestly I honestly thought I honestly give Charlo credit for not 
getting for not getting knocked out. He did get knocked down once, but I actually give you know I actually give him credit for hanging in there because it's definitely got to be hard to be getting your ass kicked for twelve rounds, um, thoroughly. And you know we talk about you know we'll talk about a lot of people talk about Canelo as a generational fighter, one of the great fighters of this generation. I think we he's kind of past that point right now. I think we gotta start putting him in conversation as an all time great in general. Like he would be great in any era, any decade. Like this dude, this guy is sixty and two, sixty two and two. Now, I know I understand two of those prolific triple G fights. One of them he definitely lost. You could make a case he lost the, the other one. Like one of them, the one, the one that was a draw was he he he, he lost that fight to me. He lost the one that the second one that he won. I thought I thought he lost the third one. Of course, he it was no contest. He clearly won that third one against Triple G last. They fought last thing last September, but the first two were definitely up in question. And but Triple G is a great is a great great fighter. I think Triple G is our question of uh, like one of the best fighters of this generation. He's been is a great fighter. So we're talking about uh, you know a, another world champion, but outside of that in the Floyd Mayweather situation, there really he's really had a. You know, he's, I mean, again, he's 62 and two. Um, and no, he's, there hasn't been a better middleweight, super middleweight, like, you know, in the last decade, in the last, you know, 10 to 15 years. Um, and, you know, he's, remember now, he's fought a lot. He's, he's fought, he's been in the game for a while now, since he was 15. Um, and he's still near at the top of his game. Like I said, this guy, is is still pound. For me. I can make a case of him being pound for pound the best fighter in the world. He's in that conversation now. I think it's probably Crawford, but I certainly could make a case for him being uh the best pound for pound pound for pound fighter even at the age of thirty three. And remember this about Canelo. Um, remember this in regards to Terence Crawford. That's all I want to say. Crawford at one sixty eight would have no chance against Canelo. If that were if that were going to be a fight, it would have to be at one fifty four for it to be competitive. It really would be. And I, if you're Canelo, why are you coming down? Like I'm not coming down. Like I'm, I'm the biggest. I'm arguably the biggest name in boxing. I'm the money maker. I'm what he let him come to me. I'm not coming to him. So I don't think you're going to see the, the Canelo Crawford fight. I do think you'll see Charlo and Crawford because that's that's doable. Charlo is already a natural one fifty four. Crawford can go up from 147 to 154 probably right or easily. But I don't think Crawford would have any chance. And I think I think Crawford is a better fighter than Charlo, but I, I don't I can't I couldn't see Crawford um doing anything with Canelo at 168. I, I just couldn't see it. That's gonna wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. Got a couple podcasts coming out later this week. One was already recorded. I'll drop that in terms of the wire. I'll drop that later on this week. Um, and, of course, Snowfall Season 2, Episode 7. Yeah, I think we're on 7 now. Yeah, we're on 7. So it's getting things are getting a little interesting for uh, for this second season, which was a great season. So stay tuned for that. Have a great, great rest of your week. See you next time.